A CPA finds love with an architect and widower whose dark past haunts him in This Movie Must Die. Episode three of this movie must die. I'm Steven Sperling. I'm Aaron Paris. And I'm Josh Sperling. In every episode, we review a movie and let it fight to the death with the survivor of the previous episode. The survivor is Two in the Dark from 1936. And today we pit it against The Second Woman, directed by James V. Kern, best known for the infamous flop, The Horn Blows at Midnight with Jack Benny. Yeah, somehow the movie from episode one is still alive. Somehow My Hillbilly- hero. Yeah, Hillbilly Blitzkrieg did not beat it out somehow. 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 Uh, in this movie, I was disappointed uh, not to see any huge noses or other deformities in anybody uh that was a that was a problem that's your opinion did you see her hair <laughs> what was wrong with her hair no i didn't notice anything wrong with her hair it was awful really oh uh, i whoever did that haircut used a weed whacker it wasn't uh, right I felt oh, oh i didn't i didn't notice that all i noticed was that she had two doppelgangers in the movie luckily because of the way the movie is structured it wasn't uh, confusing folks we're talking about uh, the leading lady of this film uh, betsy drake she's best known for her stormy marriage to Cary Grant, uh, but she was also an actress, obviously. Did you notice that two other women looked very, very similar to her? Two brunettes. No. One was the secretary, and the other was Dodo, who was the ex-wife of the slimy Keith. Oh, I remember that character, but I didn't think she looked that much like uh, the the leading lady. I oh. didn't either. I mean, there was actually, in my opinion, nothing similar. Oh, well, so um, maybe you hit your head. Well, all women look alike. <laughs> They're wow. all the same. But uh, actually, I, I read that there was in the original script, they did show the dead original wife, the first woman, as you might say. And she did have a grotesquely large ear, just one. <clears throat> and she, that she was for comic relief. But they um, sadly took that part out. Did they? Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that the leading lady managed to land Cary Grant. Was he blind when he did that? <laughs> I liked her. Uh, our leading man is Robert Young, uh, best known for two TV series, uh, Father Knows Best and Marcus Welby, MD. He's our leading man today, and he's paired with Betsy Drake. So you didn't like... Betsy Drake. Did you dislike her or just did thought she was plain? Yeah, I thought she was plain. I don't know if the two of you remember that short, a date with Kay that I think <laughs> it was, was it Rift Tracks or? Uh, that's, that's probably uh, Mystery Science Theater. Mystery Science Theater. I mean, it, now that those two looked exactly the same. I kept expecting her to drop a book and look for a boy. Maybe that was. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. I, I Now that you've 
mention it, I'm thinking maybe you're right. Maybe it was the same woman. Maybe because uh, I know Kay was probably like in her 30s or something. Or pretending to be 16. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this lady wasn't pretending to be 16, fortunately. Uh, yes. I don't think she could have pulled that off, but I, I thought she was pretty. I think some of her plainness may have been deliberate because they wanted to have a contrast between her and the dead wife. There is a dead wife in this movie. We see her in flashback. Actually, we see everything in flashback, I guess. I did like that she was smart. Yes, she was smart and she never once doubted her love, doubted him. She didn't, she never once suspected that he might actually be a paranoic. And well, folks, that is, I part, think, oh, go ahead. Oh, go, <laughs> I, um, I think that actually took away from her character personally because I'm thinking, why aren't you doubting this guy? You barely know him. He had a nice house and a lot of oh, money. You know nothing. Right. right. Yeah. Should we do you have any more general comments about uh, the movie or should we go right into our lists? We're sorry. What? <laughs> that we about just what? Kinda, yeah, we just kind of took over Stephen's show. No, no, no you didn't. Asking us. No, you didn't. <laughs> so anyway, what this show is really going to be about. <laughs> her hair. <laughs> We're going to talk about Hillbilly Blitzkrieg again. We're just going to forget this. <laughs> movie. Yay. Yeah. It was missing a rocket sound. That went Wee! like I missed that in this one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a hillbilly. Well, I read that they also had that in the original. No, I'm just. And they took that out as well. Okay. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> folks. There's no deformed ear. There is a uh, a fabulous house in this movie. Uh, there's a dark secret. There's a mystery, which we will spoil for you. Which we will spoil for you. So beware. I don't know at what point we'll spoil it, but at some point we will. Uh, so, do you have any general comments before we uh, leap into our lists? Let's leap. List, list, low list. Okay, uh, Aaron, what's on your love list for this? I, I assume uh, Betsy Drake's hair is not among them. No, but like I did mention just a few seconds ago, I did like how smart she was. And that, you know, she was really tenacious. And, you know, considering how old this movie is, that wasn't necessarily a thing that happened often. Josh is pointing to 1950. I was just meaning, in general, older than than today. Well, it's just that you know, speaking very vaguely. So, you know, you and, and other men that I know love to use the word girl power and talk about the girl power movement. You do? And yeah, you do. And <laughs> I, I just love it. I liked that she they made her the way she was in the 50s. I thought that was good. As we watch more of these old films, I wonder if you won't see that more often than you think you will. I think so. I agree. I mean, in the last film, remember, we had the woman who uh, called her love Chippy Monk. Is that what she called him? <laughs> Chippy Monk. Oh, yes. Chippy Monk. We yeah. We'll never forget. <laughs> yes. And uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, that's that, that wouldn't be tenacious and it wouldn't be. Actually, that's not admirable at all. I don't know where I was going with that. Because you want going? somebody to call you Chippy Monk. <laughs> it's OK to admit you're sad and jealous. Don't make me cry in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> But no, I, I did appreciate that they really 
kept her consistent and just kind of let her run with it and, and really be, she was just on her toes the whole time. And I like that. Yes, I did too. I did too. Uh, this is on my list too. So I might as well uh, mention it here, but I, I liked the fact that she never doubted him. I think that might've cost a little bit in suspense because even when he comes into her bedroom with the gun, we are a little bit more worried for her right. than she is. She does not think that anything's going to happen. I mean, she just, she sees this man, she knows this man, and she she's proven right. You know, I think if anything, she's more like, okay, God damn it, I was asleep. I'm tired. Go away. <laughs> Go away. Go away with your gun. Don't wake me up with the, <laughs> don't wake me up with your gunplay. Of course, uh, Aaron said that last week when we had an intruder in the house. Oh, who was your intruder? I don't know. Some, some uh, crack fiend, I think he was looking for money for drugs and he came in with a gun and she's like, I'm trying to sleep. Get the hell out of here. And he's like, sorry, ma'am. <laughs> I don't believe Josh, a word Josh of that story. Would, Josh wouldn't know. He was curled up in bed like a big baby. I had to take care of crap myself, like always. That's why, that's why I'm with you. <laughs> so you can be lazy? Yes. I swear. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. you needed something else that I liked? I, uh, I only yes. did, did two. The other thing is I liked that the plot was consistent. There didn't seem to be any weird tangents that made no sense. It, it stayed on task. It was a boring task, but it <laughs> stayed on task. Yeah, and, I, I agree with that. Yeah, You know, I, I didn't feel like I was in excruciating pain the whole time like I did with that snuffy guy. That snuffy Smith from our last film. Or, or Steel still reeling from that from a week ago i know i keep bringing it up and and uh, you guys keep bringing it up i i i think that movie overshadows this one but not in quality <laughs> so anyway, so those were kind of you know two things that i liked and did you want my bad stuff now or do you want to come back to that yeah let's come back to that so josh okay. what is on your love list oh, please goodness. say it's betsy drake's hair it is not betsy drake's hair it's oh, his oh, wife right. I legitimately like the um, the flashback uh, beginning, and I know you know is compared to Rebecca, uh, which I also actually found really dull, and I um, ended up falling asleep on it, so I've never finished Rebecca. Oh and, no! And, and guess which film snob watched the whole thing? <laughs> I did. I'm not, not even the snob, snob in the group, but I did. Yeah, I I, I found that very very dull, but yeah, I did uh, get the connection between that. I saw this also compared to Gaslight, which I've uh, not seen at all. How do you think that this compares to Gaslight, Stephen? Yeah, there are some elements rearranged. The the main hook of Gaslight is not present here. It's a it's a very it's a very different relationship between the two leads, but there are some elements to it. A third movie is uh, Spellbound, which uh, which has oh, okay. uh, Gregory Peck losing his mind, uh, and and the job of Ingrid Bergman in that movie is to find out what's wrong with his mind. Uh, in this movie. We are led to believe that possibly Robert Young is a paranoiac, but that proves not to be the case. Well, wait, how can he not be a paranoiac? Because did you see how many times the doctor wrote that on his notepad? Paranoiac. <laughs> paranoiac. It had to be true. <laughs> write it three times. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. But you've got that six, seven times. That's it. It was like a prescription. Yeah, he wrote out a prescription. Uh, I don't like 
the flashback and I didn't like the Rebecca, obviously Rebecca reference. Uh, I didn't think it fit this movie. Mm. Uh, for one thing, the house is not dark and mysterious like the Rebecca house was. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know why she was making such a big deal about the house. It was a very, uh, I, I, I know nothing about architecture, but I think it's Frank Lloyd Wright type style, very modern, very bright and attractive. And it's not dark and mysterious like uh, the other house. It's very cold. That type of architecture um, was really kind of popular in that time period. Yeah. Um, those sleek lines, that house was clearly a house for a very, very wealthy person. But when you went inside, it was sleek. It wasn't homey at all. Very cold. And I think that reflected on his personality. So you, you thought the house was more of an asset to the film and to the story. And yeah, especially during that time frame. I think a, a, like a scary haunted house wouldn't have fit. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think I'm I'm just always a sucker for that type of movie that starts at some point later in the movie and where we don't understand what the hell is going on, but then later it cycles back. And even when it's not done all that well, sometimes I still kind of like it. I don't know what's wrong with me. That's that's, that's interesting. a long list. Because that's, that's something that these old uh, films noir uh, often do, and it drives me crazy. It especially drives me crazy when she seems to be telling us this story, but there are lots of things happening that she was not present for. Um, and I, that's the, right. yeah. that's something you have to deal with in all. I mean, that happens every single time. I think. Yeah. Now, what does make what makes this noir, Stephen? Oh God, you, you're going to ask me again. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm talking over my husband, baby. No, 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 no. O- o- open conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's a very open conversation to everybody but you. <laughs> I'm sorry. So uh, define noir again, Stephen. Yeah, I I cut it out of the first episode. My okay. babbling. So let's see if oh, I can do a little bit better. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I it is it is my time to redeem myself, and I probably will not. This is your. T- time steven sperling this is your time to shine yes noirs are typically uh defined as uh, movies that are that ha- that were released between uh 1944 starting with double indemnity and uh going on into the 50s uh they're typically black and white but there can be color noir sometimes some movies are retroactively considered noir like i think there might be a good case for the for two in the dark the movie we saw in the in the first episode. I guess there might be a, a case for its remake, which was uh, Two O'Clock Courage, even though the stylishness of the first movie is is more in line with what we're, what we're led to expect with, with noirs. They're very stylish, stylized. Uh, they have uh, certain themes in every one of them. This one uh, lacks one of the main themes, the femme fatale. Uh, no, 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 it does not. I said that last time and... Uh, it does not. What about doo doo dodo? No, no, no. The the femme fatale is the woman we barely see. The the wife. Really? Is she? Yeah, she's the. She's she's the evil woman who who uh, who has brought pain and misery to Robert Young's. Uh, wi- lo- bl- sure, he has. Uh huh. I think she she'd, I think she'd count as a femme fatale. So it deals with crime. It's usually set in the city. It has a femme fatale. Uh, it's stylish, dark. It's usually mm-hmm. from the 40s and 50s. When later films are noir like, they're often called neo noirs. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I I gave a long babbling discussion 
discussion, but I won't cut it out. I'll just uh, let my shame hang there. It's it's <laughs> very difficult to define this genre because it's it's kind of arbitrary, and it was uh, it was a genre that almost none of the filmmakers knew that they were participating in. They just thought they were making crime films or mystery films, but the French called them noirs, and that stuck. Hmm. Yeah, I just asked it more for you know because people like me don't know that kind of stuff. Yeah, and people like me know it, but don't completely understand it. Yeah, and then people like me make fun of people who know that kind of stuff. And then people like me start crying because of people like you. Nobody cares. People like me fall asleep. Oh, sorry. It's my husband's turn to talk. Stephen, (laughs) you shut up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah even when it's not done as well i i tend to like those beginnings i, I mean I, I know it's not done as well as you know something like double de- double indemnity or something like that but I, I don't know i am a sucker for that but but i am another interesting thing i noticed is when they are um, at a restaurant and in the background you can hear the song once upon a dream the instrumental once upon a dream yes uh and i thought that was interesting because my first thought was I didn't realize well I see I thought that that song was written for Sleeping Beauty and I thought well this is 1950 and I don't remember exactly when Sleeping Beauty came out but I thought it was later so I did look it up and I realized yes yeah, Sleeping Beauty actually came out later and the song Once Upon a Dream was written for Sleeping Beauty yes. but only the lyrics the music actually comes from the Sleeping Beauty uh, ballet uh, written by Tchaikovsky from earlier yeah so I, I, I as soon as I heard that, as soon as I heard that music, I, I started playing "Once Upon a Dream" in my head. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I knew I knew that song hadn't even been written yet. Only the music part, obviously. They, they use a lot of Tchaikovsky in this uh, movie. Did you recognize anything else? Uh, there was an, another one that I recognized. I, I wouldn't have known the name of it, but I, but it was something that sounded familiar to me. Anything else on your list? Uh, so yeah, I also probably my favorite thing of the whole movie was when you know the 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 smarmy guy i don't remember his name with the little mustache uh, his characters guy. the character's name is keith keith right he's hitting on our on our leading lady and our leading man comes up and punches him in the face and i like that <laughs> Yes, that's that is always very, very good. <laughs> I just I can't get enough of flashback beginnings and smarmy guys being punched in the face. Yes. If you had a movie that was all told in flashback and just punching smarmy guys in the face, I'm so there. Yeah, that guy was awful. And the way he insinuated himself into mm-hmm. Betsy Drake's space uh, yeah, was very was ugly. OK, that was very uh, that was very bad. Very bad of him. I don't know if he was actually punished. Uh, nothing really happens to him at the end. Uh, well, he gets exposed, so we assume that his life is going to be downhill from there. So, mm-hmm. so and that so is all I like. That is all you like. That is all you liked in it. Uh, well, we've already touched upon some of the things I like. W- one thing that I really like is that the mystery is solid. I watched the movie twice, and all the pieces come together. Maybe it cheated a little bit by only telling us once that the man who who runs the uh, architectural firm, Ben, that he was the father of Robert Young's dead wife. Oh, did you have trouble remembering that later? Yes, I did. I, the first time I watched it. Oh, uh, yeah, that which, didn't occur to me. I, uh, yeah, that I, seemed fairly I obvious well. to me. It, no, it, it 
took me a minute, like as they're talking. Oh, again. later when he when he the yeah, so was revealed. Yeah, I am with Stephen on that. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I think it was that I didn't realize that that was Ben. Does that make sense, Stephen? Like, I yes. didn't connect that character, that man, with the previous story necessarily in my head. Hmm. Yes, I uh, I like the fact that the the person, the obvious person that I thought it was going to be, and I didn't want it to be him because it was way too obvious, was the doctor. It it seemed clear to me that the doctor, uh, Dr. Hartley, played by uh, Morris Karnofsky, seemed clear to me that he was trying to implant into Betsy Drake's head the idea of Robert Young being a paranoiac uh, because he wanted the, uh, the this explanation for his behavior uh, right because he had something against him I, and it was it was just so obvious so i'm glad i'm glad the movie did not did not do what was most obvious keith would have been obvious too yeah, I, I kind of thought it was the the doctor also because I thought, well, Keith is the is the obvious red herring. So you're supposed to think it's Keith and it's way too obvious. So it's probably the the next, you know, most obvious one. Yeah, yeah I like- you know, and I agree with you, Stephen, as far as the doctor, I just I thought the same thing, but I just couldn't pin a motivation on him. Yes, and, I, I didn't have a motivation on him. You know, but I, I think they did a good job at least making you kind of th- like if, if you hadn't seen a similar movie 20 times, I could see somebody sitting there going, oh, it's got to be the doctor. Yeah. Y- y- you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I had seen this movie 10 or 15 years ago and I did not remember the solution to the mystery. So it fooled me again, watching it again this time. Are you going to watch it another 10 or 15 years? Another 10 or 15 years and I will force you to review it and I will force you to pit it against whatever movie is uh, currently surviving in our podcast. It'll it'll still be Two in the Dark. Two in the <laughs> yeah, that one will never die. I wonder. Uh, well, I'm I'm picking these movies arbitrarily, so uh, who knows? I might I might never pick a movie better than Two in the Dark. Uh, oh, so we're we're already <laughs> spoiling our ending to our podcast, so we will leap away from that for the moment. I did like the mystery. We covered the fact that I really liked the Betsy Drake character. I liked the performances of the two leads i just thought they were a bit lightweight if we had had stronger leads there might have been more substance to the movie the obvious choice for the replacement for robert young is um cary grant he would have made the movie better but he would have made definitely any movie better uh the, <laughs> the problem with movies of this period is you almost always or i almost always think it, it, this would be better with cary grant and if it's not cary grant it would be better with jimmy stewart that hurt my soul. why did they even bother making movies without either of them in it i don't know i don't know why did jimmy stewart have a job (sighs) okay we're gonna have to i like jimmy stewart don't worry uh, i'll keep her in line yeah please do please do someday we'll have to deal with that maybe i'll maybe i'll give us a jimmy stewart movie uh in the near future and uh, you can suffer through him again yeah you, you know i think that you've always got to have cary grant i mean i can't imagine this guy you know in in um uh grabbing Catherine hepburn's face and 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 forcing her back into her house in philadelphia story nobody but cary grant can pull that off yeah, that was and you very, still like him yes that was a very difficult thing for it to to 
pull off. Yeah, the, that would have been wife abuse, I think, with any other actor, except maybe Jimmy Stewart. Right. But yeah, according to Aaron, uh, Cary Grant could abuse her all day long and she would be OK with that. That is not true. Oh. You know how I feel about that. Sorry, stuff. I made that up. I, I did want to point out that Robert Young was actually very perfect for this part because like the character, he too suffered from depression. And he even in 1991, which was uh, 41 years after this movie, he attempted suicide uh, the way this character did. I assume he was thinking of the movie when he when he attempted it, but luckily that didn't go through. He ended up dying of natural causes, but he was he was depressed. And yet I still always consider him to be a lightweight actor when I see him in these old movies. I thought it was pretty brave how they talked about mental health so openly, especially in the 50s. Yeah, that's the big connection to uh, Spellbound on the poster uh, on the various posters for the film. They they say this is the best movie Spellbound or the best movie since Rebecca. So they were very obviously going for that. Uh, mm. Mental health was a huge issue after the war and a lot of movies uh, dealt with that. Uh, there are a lot of cool, I always love the cool uh, psychiatrist movies uh, like Now Voyager. There, 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 uh, there are a lot of films where they have a psychiatrist or they, they deal with psychological issues. They deal with uh, the terms like paranoiac, which was probably uh, not very well known. We can tell it's not very well known the way the way they talk about it. You know, now anybody would know that movie, but or you know that term. I mean, yeah. So that's that's on my list of likes. Now let's go to the hates, and I'm going to with my psychic abilities, uh, the kind that uh, Robert Young tried to display in the opening. I will predict that you hate Betsy Drake's hair. Am I right, Aaron? Well, it's not just that. But did you notice that everybody all the time looks like they're going to a board meeting? <laughs> like, like even even when she's running around in her PJs, she's still going to a meeting. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. I mean, you know, and it's not that that made me hate it. It just made me think that it was kind of weird. And I realize it's a time period thing and all that, but it's just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about that in all in all movies of the period. I, I have mixed feelings about whether or not that way of dressing was a good thing. It, it certainly looks better than a lot of the stuff we wear now the the characters would definitely be in t-shirts and jeans now man bun uh, don't yeah, forget the man bun yeah we, man bun so it it looks better but it's just such a stifling way to live i i would think uh so i'm i have mixed feelings about the clothes that they always wore did you, josh did you have any particular feeling about the the clothes in this film or the clothes in the uh in the films that we always see well you know definitely uh she wouldn't have been wearing that as pjs if the movie was made today <laughs> oh right oh right right yeah, she'd have been lucky to have brawn panties on. Yeah. Hey, hey, Very now, we're, don't, don't, I don't want that in your head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I hear what you're saying about the way that people dressed all the time there. But why is it really different or better, you know, to have, what do the beings call it? A, a seriousness cloth that they wear around their neck? <laughs> What's this? What are you talking about? It's, oh. like, it's a cartoon and, and these oh, little yeah. beings uh, imitate our life, but we look look at it from a sort of alien perspective and I, I believe they call it the the seriousness cloth uh, something, something like that that they wear 
there when they want to be serious. And it's, an, it's a tie. It's, yeah. A so, tie, but- so why do we feel like wearing this piece of cloth down our front makes us, you know, more professional? <laughs> it, it it looks more professional. It looks better. I see that I have mixed feelings about the clothes in the in the movies, but I actually don't have mixed feelings about them in the movies because in the movies, they always look better dressed like that i have mixed feelings about whether the whether we'd be better off dressing like that now that's right right i I hear what you're saying Well, and i guess kind of where i was going with that is is and is that the way they dress all of the characters kind of makes them seem cartoonish to me which kind of takes away from their ability to to drag your mind down an incorrect path i almost called her k that's hilarious (laughs) she's all buttoned up in and like can hardly breathe and then you know do do dodo she looks like a complete and total slut all the time um <laughs> the smarmy guy literally looks like he's gonna sell you a used car <laughs> and then bury you in the trunk everybody looks stereotypical that's the word i'm looking for hmm. and i think you know the doctor as well with his glasses and and the suit he's wearing and i think when you do that it, it really pigeonholes all these people to where you really can't do a great red herring because you've already made these, I don't know, specific conclusions that are right based on each character by how wardrobe has but, pigeonholed them, I guess. But yet none of us picked the actual conclusion, at least the first time we watched it. We, right. So I think they the, it didn't it obviously didn't get in the way of us buying into whatever the uh, the conclusion ended up being. We, it, we didn't fall for it as if there was an obvious bad guy because he was wearing bad guy clothes, you know. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that's fairly typical of, of 50s films to have sort of archetypes. This is this, you know, type of person. And you can tell by the way they're dressed. I love it that my husband always puts what I say into fancy words. <laughs> so, <laughs> said all the smart people know what I just said. <laughs> With yeah, your I, was, I was having trouble. Thanks, Josh. I love the translation. <laughs> no um, uh, but it's funny you say that because the the doctor who is just a general practitioner looks for all the world like the stereotypical psychiatrist, psychiatrist right yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure they were going for that because mm-hmm. I, I, there are moments where i think wait he's not a psychiatrist is he i just found it distracting i guess you know so it's not that i hated it it just kind of annoyed me as i was trying to to watch it um so anyway and one thing i also found weird or not that i hated it but i thought was weird was at the very end like all the people who needed to be there for the big reveal were magically <laughs> there for no reason yes. yeah that's, that's I, difficult too it's like the guy who was selling the used car and putting you in the trunk said oh wait wait i need to stop and go to this guy's office so i can get caught and sent to jail yeah i really i really was expecting him to say and i wouldn't have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling brats the pesky kids <laughs> so it just it, you know it, it just kind of had those weird moments where it just kind of i don't know do you know where i'm going with that yeah, I, I watched it twice and uh, the second time I specifically tried to understand why Keith was in the room at the at during the reveal I guess I think he was trying to stop Betsy Drake from walking in so he must have been outside outside that room maybe working I don't know what what the hell he was doing um, but yeah it was a little odd that we have all of our suspects in there it's too bad they didn't it's too bad they didn't add in 
major badger and the the ant. The ant, she never really becomes a serious suspect in any way, but she's an interesting casting choice. She's Florence Bates, who uh, played the uh, nasty Mrs. Van Hopper in Rebecca. So there's another Rebecca connection. Or maybe they could have pulled off the dad's mask and it was really the uh, dead wife the whole time. <laughs> yes. I, uh, that would have been a very different movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have been funny, actually. Would you? But, how about what if it was? Uh, what if it was Snuffy Smith the whole time? <laughs> I guess. So my my third thing that I hated was I really hated how clunky the relationship was between the two leading people. Yes. It was like they were talking along and then all of a sudden he just grabs her and kisses her without any type of, it was like, oh crap, I forgot. We're in a relationship. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. you gotta fix that. <laughs> this is the part in the you script know? where we love each other. Uh, yeah. Right. And, you know, so I felt that they had the opportunity to really do something good there and they were just lazy with it. The writers by that, not the, not the actors, but the writers were just kind of lazy with it and even at the very end where she acts like after two weeks he's gonna ask her to marry him and then looks all sad and disappointed it, it just it just really bothered me it, it, to the point that it i thought it detracted from the story as a whole i was okay with their relationship but it certainly wasn't one of the great movie romances i didn't think the tea leaves thing at the very beginning their their meet cute on the train right. i didn't think that was particularly charming but it wasn't particularly charmless either so it uh that aspect of it didn't bother me especially since i really I really liked, uh, just like you did, Aaron, I really liked Betsy Drake's tenacity. And I liked the, I liked her loyalty, uh, even though, again, that might have robbed us of a little bit of suspense because she just never, ever doubts him for a moment. I don't know how she sees that in him, but she never doubts him for a single moment. Well, mm. she's old and not married and desperate. <laughs> She's married to Cary Grant. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait a minute. She's not really. Only the actress is. I sometimes forget that actresses and uh, their characters are different. Uh, yeah, Steve and movies are not real. Uh, Just like TV, unless it's the news. If only it's, Hillbilly Blitzkrieg had really happened, we probably would have won the war a lot sooner. Right, right. Well, I think it was based on a true story. There yeah, is probably. an idiot with a deformed nose. Oh, I thought you were talking about this movie. This one, too, because he really later he really did try to kill himself that way. So it was based loosely on a true story. Oh, that's yeah. something you should talk about. That's mean. Oh, I, we had Sorry, that Robert Young. There's Sorry. a list of things that we don't do. That's on the list. OK, we won't we will not do that. It's, so whose whose list are we on? We're still on your hate list. No, I'm done. I did my three. I'm done complaining. Okay, Josh. So, yeah, we, we, we touched it on already. Uh, uh, I, I didn't like their relationship. It, it, it Like Aaron said, it, it was very clunky. I think there was a moment where the horse dies and she says, I'm sorry about Shamrock. And then suddenly they're making out. <laughs> yes. I, I found very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that happens at least twice where... He, it just all of a sudden they're kissing right at least twice and and, and really i mean I, I don't know if it's part of the clunkiness of their relationship but i just don't see her as the romantic lead even if you know her performance was fine as a character in this movie you know i i just didn't see her as you know a romantic lead maybe because uh, like you said making her you know consciously making her more plain 
I, I just didn't buy their their romance as a whole. I think they may have been trying to model her after after the second Mrs. DeWinter in Rebecca. She was the but it wasn't it wasn't as necessary for her to be playing in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I guess they wanted a contrast between her and the and the dead wife. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't quite as necessary because in Rebecca, the Joan Fontaine character uh, was she was cringing and, and scared all the time and she was being uh, browbeaten by the housekeeper so it was uh, mm-hmm. important for and, and it was much much more important in that story that she feel inferior to the dead wife in in this story they do the same exact thing they find out that they find out that the dead wife she Betsy Drake finds out that Robert Young never loved her in the first place he he kind of hated her but it was kind of a it was kind of a weak version of Rebecca kind of a, it it didn't have nearly the substance of the heft to it i guess you can't uh, agree or disagree since you didn't watch the whole thing but and you found it dull anyway right uh so is that everything on your hate list no no not even by a long shot all right we're we're, <laughs> we're gonna settle down for another couple hours here folks <laughs> let me just tick them off one by one um, you, you still you still have hate hate uh items for stuffy smith don't you <laughs> I, I file them in the closet. <laughs> I'm going to bring them out every Christmas. And oh, uh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Merry Christmas. Uh, that deformed <laughs> nose freak annoys me again. Uh, so I, I I didn't like the twist. Oh, it you seemed didn't? To, Interesting. I, I didn't. I, I, I mean, I liked in the sense that, uh, you know, like Aaron said, that uh, the story, everything made sense um, as far as there weren't things that were totally unnecessary and it all kind of had a linear way of revealing the story. And and I like that part of it. I liked that uh, there was the obvious uh, red herring Keith and it wasn't him, which would have been irritating. And it wasn't even our second red herring, the doctor. Yeah, which would have irritated me because I was sure it was him and I didn't want it to be that obvious. Right. So I'm actually glad that it wasn't either of them, but I felt like the dad was reaching too much. It, it just, I just didn't really buy that, you know, that all this time, you know, he'd been harboring this anger toward him. Yeah. Explain uh, to the audience exactly what the twist is at the, at the end. Well, you've seen it twice. Go ahead. Oh, okay. The twist is that the, the father of the dead wife, Robert Young's dead wife is his ex father-in-law has been the one that's trying, been trying to undermine him all this time. In fact, I don't think I've explained that well enough that that's the whole thing about the movie is that things keep happening to Robert Young's character. His horse goes lame, his dog dies, is poisoned, uh, his rosebush dies, you know, things that he really loves in his life are systematically destroyed. And then finally, his house is set aflame and and it leads him to create a ruse to draw the killer out. And he finally does. Right. And, and I, I guess I didn't even mention that another possible solution was that he really was crazy and he was doing it himself. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I like that possibility being out there. Yeah. And I'm not sure maybe I would have even liked that 
to be the solution slightly no. better. Oh, you would, um, you might have. Okay. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, it, it definitely wasn't ideal, but maybe I would have liked that even slightly better than the dad. I just didn't really buy that all this time he was angry with him for having killed his daughter. And, and this is how he repays him by uh, tormenting him with these little things and trying to make him people think he's crazy. And I, I don't know it just didn't ring true to me. And then that reveal seemed very silly, you know, partly aided by everybody just happening to be there. And right. then he's like, no, he's like, ah, it really was me. <laughs> and then he's like, no, no, it was this dude, Keith. He really killed her. And he's like, oh, oh sorry about all that stuff. Then, <laughs> Yeah. The, the father, the father blames, blames Robert Young for killing his daughter uh, because supposedly Robert Young was in the car. And when they had the accident, it was an accident, but actually it was Keith in the car and, he was the one responsible for her death and probably more responsible than Robert Young would have been if, if Robert Young's story had been true. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Young and Keith conspire to lie uh, about this, uh, what happened, uh, because it, for reasons we don't really need to explain. I uh, thought that made no sense, Stephen. Oh, really? And they, they revealed that and like he takes Keith's place and this, I'm like, this makes no sense. Well, the, the reason the reason is because uh, I, I'm just explaining to the audience. The, the reason that he the reason he does this is because he doesn't want the father to find out that his daughter is really bad. And that's uh, stupid. And, uh, yeah. Stupid. Yeah. I, I, I bought it. I bought it, but I can uh, I can definitely see your point of view. My eloquent, it's stupid point of view. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> I, no, it just didn't seem believable at all. I remember, you know, I'm sitting there watching it with Josh and, and he lets the guy go and then he takes his place. And I'm like, nobody would do that for any reason. It's stupid. This is also um, Aaron's commentary on modern art uh, in modern art museums. That's stupid. Not all modern art, just the one picture. <laughs> it was stupid. It was stupid. It was like a dot in the middle of a canvas. If I can do it, it's not art. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, what did you think about the art in this film? Uh, uh, painting uh, proves to be somewhat important to the story. Yeah, I, I thought you know, it was just one more thing. I, I thought they spent a little bit too much time on that with the lamp, and I, w I wasn't crazy about that either. I think it was a way to show her tenacity, though, and yeah. how willing she was to, like, go and research. And and I yeah. think it, it made her... It, I don't know. It made it drove home the point that she was logical, because if she could logically sort this out and track this down, then that gave credibility to her opinion of him. Right. Yeah, I did like about her character that she was an insurance. What's the actuary? CPA, CPA. Yeah. She was an actuary. So she was calculating the risks. So I like that they they thought to add a, a character whose job it was to this. So she's calculating the odds of things. Yeah, I wonder if they were thinking of character of keys in Double Indemnity uh, because he. Oh, yeah. I didn't that make was, that connection. But yeah. Yeah, because he was always with the statistics. And and that's what that's one of the many things that led him to find the truth in that movie. 
Mm-hmm. And I like that they gave her a job that was not a secretary. Yes. <laughs> and and where I'm going with that is that also lead gives some uh, credibility to her in the minds of the audience that she is capable of doing this research. And yeah, I agree. you know, because and you know, and coming to these conclusions because in the 50s, women who were secretaries weren't thought of that highly. And and, and so I don't know. I guess I'm glad they gave her that leg up. So to speak for the audience at the time to think of her capabilities of of doing what she was doing. Yeah, I think you'll see that more often than you think. Uh, We will, of course, encounter many secretaries and waitresses, uh, but we'll also encounter women who have more uh, more prestigious jobs. Well, and I just want to make it clear that um, what I'm saying is how people perceive women who do those jobs, not how the women actually are. Yes. You do those jobs. I want to make that clear. So when this gets posted, I don't get called a bunch of bad names <laughs> because yeah. that's not what I meant. I just mean that, unfortunately, our jobs really uh, reflect to other people, our uh, mental capabilities, good, bad, different, right or wrong. Yeah, and- folks, I'm the one who hates secretaries, not Aaron. It's me, even <laughs> Sperling. Uh, so did we cover that aspect of what we were talking about? The, 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 the item on your hate list was that you didn't buy the ending, correct, Josh? I, I don't even remember where I was with that. You know, no, that, that is where I started. Yeah, I kind of went down some other tangents, but yeah, Sorry. that was where I started and that's okay. I talked to you. No, no, you're fine. That's 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 the whole point of us talking. It's It sparks other conversation. Yes, yes, indeed. That is exactly what I want. Exactly what I want for this podcast. Lots and lots of talk. And secretaries. Uh, and secretaries and waitresses and uh, bulbous noses. <laughs> so is that is that it for your hate list? Yes. Okay, I've already covered the thing. We've already covered the things that I disliked about the movie. I didn't I, I, I didn't like that they seemed to shove in aspects of Rebecca and Spellbound. I didn't realize Gaslight, but yeah, now that I think of it, they added some Gaslight stuff uh, into, theirs, into there as well. I guess, I guess the person gaslighting was the father-in-law. He was gaslighting mm-hmm. Robert Young, but it's a different situation in the, uh, in the 1944 movie. So we've already covered that. So I'm guessing you would give this movie, you would both give this movie a thumbs down. I'd, I'd like to say that this movie is very ducky. It's very ducky. <laughs> very ducky movie. I like that. I thought that was funny when when Keith said that he thought Robert Young was ducky. <laughs> I would give it a very mild thumbs down. It, it was okay. I, I, I really didn't dislike it. It was it was worth watching, but mm, uh, yeah, I'd say a very mild thumbs down. For me, this... Oh, go ahead, Aaron. Uh, did you have anything to say besides thumbs down? I assume it's thumbs down. I'm on board with, with Josh, it being a mild thumbs down. I just felt it was a little boring. Yeah. It was almost like they had a really good concept, but they just didn't, you know, bring it home for me and hold my attention really i kept thinking how long is this where are we in this how when is it going to be done <laughs> okay so, you know <laughs> what i mean if you're saying if you're saying when is it going to be done to a movie then uh, it's definitely a thumbs down this movie is yet another demonstration of the fact that apparently 
I'm going to like just about every movie I see. Uh, Hillbilly Blitzkrieg, fortunately, uh, exceeded my limit of tolerance uh, because I, like I said, I'd seen this 10 or 15 years ago and I had rated it on IMDb a four out of 10. And I would have rated it this time a six out of 10 and given it a mild thumbs up. I did enjoy it. I, di- I enjoyed that the mystery all came together. It, there were a lot of interesting scenes uh, and it, it held my attention. So I would give it a mild thumbs up. So which movie are we going to kill off? Is it Two in the Dark from 1936 or The Second Woman from 1950? I give the death vote to The Second Woman. Me as well. Me as well. Second Woman, you are dead. Two in the Dark, you are still the survivor of This Movie Must Die. Thanks a lot for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. And you can't call this a show, can you? Because we're not showing you anything we're we're only talking and for Uh, that everyone is grateful yes yeah we uh i might as well spoil it now all three of us have huge deformed noses like uh (laughs) (laughs) but we're getting better (laughs) okay join us next time for another episode of this movie must die when we'll be when we'll be reviewing prairie moon from 1936 goodbye Very ducky day. Quack, quack. Oh.